the power. I'm here to talk about fascism. Whoa, dude. <laughs> You gotta ease people into this shit, you know? You can't just straight out of the gate talk about your favorite thing. It's like in your first date, you can't, you're not like, you shouldn't be like, oh shit, my favorite. Like, I like, on your first date, you should I'm, be. I'm Georg. It's like George, but German. My favorite topic is fascism. My favorite topic is fascism. Uh, I prefer spending the whole day just playing video games. But you're not gonna see that until like three months into our relationship. I'll be pretending I do something else. <laughs> funny because it's true <laughs> yeah that's true for me i mean it's either the thing is like i was like you know how like i sometimes don't drink y yeah supposedly I yeah, think yeah, so, yeah but then and sometimes i do yeah so when i'm drinking i won't be like playing as many video games or watching as, as much of like star trek or whatever but whenever i'm sober like to compensate for it <laughs> I go you're, you're binging the next generation <laughs> oh, it's so good like the thing is i used didn't know you were a trekkie actually i didn't know that either i mean i watched the i really loved the first one you know the original, the original series yeah, yeah, because really. it's so wonky and it's like, wonky and it's kind of wack yeah it's wacky that's yeah. why i liked it and uh i started watching the next generation like recently just because i needed some shit to like fall asleep to it's mm -hmm. like relatively boring and to tell you the truth like the first two and a half seasons first three seasons kind of perfect for it it's like 40 minutes it's kind of boring not, and it's yeah so it's perfect to fall asleep to but the after like the ending of the third season it's amazing it's so cool <laughs> I, I mean like i've seen most episodes of the next generation i think oh yeah 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 but uh, not in chronological order, or oh, yeah? not in order of uh, as it's been showed, mm -hmm. and um, so I basically like saw them in a random order when it was on TV in the late '90s, early 2000s with my dad. It was like a classical weekend thing, Saturday Saturday afternoon <laughs> thing, like so that we don't have to talk to each other. Oh, <laughs> we watch Star Trek: The Next Generation because TNG because the first original one however like progressive it was for its time it's still uh it's like very sh chauvinistic in a sense of like it's very male-centered even mm. though they're like living in space communism where yeah. everyone is supposed to be equal. women still have to wear skirts women like <laughs> it's barely even a skirt like it's, it's like, barely a skirt man yeah. it's, it's an extended the 60s. belt yeah it, it's literally what it is it's like a t-shirt you know um in this one, it's like, yeah, they have, like, admirals, there are ladies. It's still, I mean, they still, like, a lot of episodes are, like, there was an episode where uh, Picard goes, uh, Data is asking him for, like, dating advice. And, oh, my God, Data is dating, dude. That's... <laughs> anyway, but, uh, so, uh, he's... Blown. Yeah, I know, mind blown. <laughs> I was like, oh, why are they calling Data? You know, it's such, a, like, an on-the-nose stupid name. Uh, but anyway, so... He's asking him about like uh, like advice about women and Picard like the he's like being snarky. He goes like when I know something, when I figure out how to understand women, I'll let you know. You know this classic like how could you, how do you even understand mm -hmm. women? So every once in a while something yeah, like this yeah. pops up, but generally it's like uh, it's super it's great it's great for his times i mean I, I don't give a shit really about politics, mm. but it just it is in the back of my mind. Yeah, when yeah. I'm watching some bullshit, and it is like I mean. Uh, some people are like bad mouthing it because like Worf and uh, uh, Jordy like end up being the butt of the joke a lot of times, and I get it. They are because they're the black character. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Worf is even Klingon and black. <laughs> Bro, Worf like being Klingon is like the most black you can be. 
I, I know some guys like in Berlin. I've seen. I was like, "Fuck, is this guy Klingon or some shit?" <laughs> that's like that's like from deep somewhere. I don't know. But aren't the, aren't the other Klingons usually like white, more more whitish, or I don't know. I mean, some Klingons you can see that yeah, they put like tanning on them. But there, a lot of Klingons like Worf's brother. I forget his name, but I think he's played by a black guy. Mm. But on the other hand, the guy who is. Dude, that is super racist. Because I do think, like, whenever it's the head of the Klingon Council, mm -hmm. it's always a white guy. <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> it's like always. The, what they call bro, the chancellor, whatever. Dude, right, I take it all yeah. back, dude. That's so mm -hmm. fucked up. Like, the only black Klingons, they're never in, like, positions of power, yeah, dude. They're the ones the Starfleet actually ends up fighting against. Yeah. Because they're first in the lion. <laughs> yeah, dude. They're, like, the f cannon fodder yeah. for the Klingon Empire. Man. Dude, that's fucked. But like, uh, what do you think about the comparison of the original series Klingons versus the modern Klingons? You know, because like they changed, they changed their appearance. Ah, they because I, I don't remember because the the original one I watched it like so long ago. Yeah, but uh, are they that different? Yeah, they yeah, must actually be. they are. Are like, they like are, more crazy looking in the original? Yeah, they're a, a they like chose them to be much taller and wider and more like ah okay extra. they were more like different. The, the the original Klingons basically had like human bodies. Yeah. And they didn't have because they couldn't do like the costumes or like the facial. They didn't thing. have too much of. They the didn't have like the the, 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 the 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 forehead vagina thing or whatever. Yeah. And um, um, they basically the original. That, that's actually super racist too. Um, the original series Klingons basically looked like Chinese people, you know, like this, like yeah. the, like nineteen I mean, sixties like, Fu Manchu. They're uh, supposed to be like Mongolian. Yeah, exactly. Shit, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah, they also have all of them like later on some of them or have have these beards, but basically in the original series, every Klingon has this like super extended like uh, mustachey beard, like yeah. that that has like the long floppy things. And... Yeah. So you're there. I mean, they are like a mix of like. But yeah, that, that means they're just Asian. That means they're just kind of Asian. Yeah. And dwarfs are kind of the outliers. like uh, Because he's a black Asian. Yeah, so he's like Southeast Asian. <laughs> yeah. you know? He's so Vietnamese. Like, he's Klingon. Vietnamese, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why, like, that's what it means, like being half human. It's like you're not Mongolian, you're Vietnamese. <laughs> but yeah, I'm a big fan, actually. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you have a point. But so the, and it, he does say that this is like a long time ago in a galaxy far away. So it's not like modern day. Anyway, dude, I, I don't think we're going to be able to release whatever. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so. But the good thing is that we got it all out of our system. We got it all out of our system. We got it out of our system. This is where the podcast will start. <laughs> the good thing, we got it out of our system. So now we can move on to yeah. talking. We can be stop being anti-Semites and talk about anti-Semites. I'm going to bleep, bleep the anti-bleep. <laughs> and then, like, so no one will ever know. We were anti-something. And we also didn't put it on the like on the internet or whatever no not because we're scared of anything but because you know it was a theoretical discussion about sci-fi exactly and who, certain aspects of sci-fi which universes. which ethnicities are who and like equivalent to which ethnicities where you know and also you know uh we should address that this is a two two boys one cup type of episode absolutely yeah we've got a we've got a podcast member who's awol well, I mean, AWOL, we had to force him into a leave of absence. 
because I feel like today we're going to be talking about what's the topic? We're going to talk about fascism in America. And I feel like Moth, as a person of color, would be a little bit biased. So, <laughs> do, you, do you think so? <laughs> I mean, I'm, still, I'm still not convinced of, of what nature his bias would be. <laughs> I thought you were going to say of what color that person is. <laughs> well, yesterday he said something like, I'm brown as sand. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I th- I think we should come up with like a different, because uh, there is like uh, you know how they call like minorities who look like white people they call them white passing. Well, yeah, we're gonna talk about somebody who passed white. Yeah, right? we're gonna address this today. But I well, for this guy, yeah, sure, we have, we can talk about this. But I feel like for most people, there should be some other word for that, like white passing. I don't know, just doesn't sound right. To be- me. You mean because like most white so-called white passing people don't really pass as white either they pass so much where it's like why even say that yeah either yeah you know he's not white it's just mm. like he has white skin but you can see like come on dude a white person could never grow <laughs> that long of a beard or whatever that, saying beard. Penis. that white person could never grow that long of a penis <laughs> oh man i've been trying for years i've been putting oils and stuff <laughs> my penis just won't grow <laughs> Oh, uh, dude. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, a, I was thinking, like, a person of, like, person of little color, you know? Yeah. Person of a little color, you know? Shaded person. Shaded. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, the, the, the modern day solution is to call people brown, I guess. But, like, they, they're not there. They're, like, yeah, like before it's, white it's, passing, it's right? Like, ba- like, like. But Some guys are beige. Like, yeah, like, it's like there's white people and then there's a few black people, uh, like literally like people living in Congo or something. Yeah. And the rest is basically brown people on this planet. Yeah. Right? But so it, brown but is like a stupid category. No, but I mean, I'm for like breaking it up into different like shades also. Like khaki. Yeah. You know, like the ba- beige, khaki. Beige, khaki. Ochre. Ochre. Yeah. <laughs> like that type of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Are you beige or are you ochre? What do you consider yourself? I'm mahogany, you know, that type of stuff. So, yeah, today we're talking about fascism in America. And um, is is this okay as an introduction or should we like say a proper hello to our audience? No, dude. Fascist in America. (laughs) Ah, I'm down. Let's go. Let's jump into the deep end, dude. Let's OKKK. Yeah, OKKK, dude. Like this place is fascist you know you know yeah. my stance on this i mean my, my you're still there that, that's my point like um, when when people hear like in the year 2023 even more so like five years ago when they hear fascism in america they're thinking about people like richard spencer or something you know like he's the he's the guy that got punched in the face uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> you remember. remember him yeah um and basically we're talking about his predecessor today and i mean he has predecessors that come even after the people we're talking about today because fascism in America of sorts, well, if you include under this term, if you include racist groups and right-wing extremist hate groups or whatever, they are alive and well and they've never gone away. They've always been there. Mm-hmm. But what I wanted to talk about today is actual fascism, which means like... Taking away people's right to buy big drinks, soda drinks. And, uh, exactly. That's yeah. fascism. That's and, and, when the, and when the gallon uh, of, of uh, gas costs more than like, I don't know, $2 or something. Yeah, that's fascism. That's right? fascism. And, Whenever, and like, I can't health get... insurance. Well, for, that's, <laughs> well, yeah. And also, that's national socialism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why can't we just be normal? Why can't we, like, why are we always between the national socialism of asking for free healthcare or uh, the, the, the hard place of 
fascism of uh, making eggs cost 10, 10 bucks a ten bucks a pack. You mean like like uh, quantifiable, quantifiable terms? Yeah. On, on when to identify fascism yeah, when we've, when we've yeah. reached fascism so this is scientific you, you know how they have like this horse horseshoe theory yeah, yeah like of course. The, the if you go far right enough you end you, up you left, end up being, a end up being stalin basically <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah that's what i'm basically saying on one end we have like free healthcare, and the other end is like the gas price is way too high president putin has to die dude <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that so yeah what i wanted to talk about today is um basically right-wing extremism in a way uh, that is especially inclined towards fascism or rather inspired by fascism because like fascism i'm, I'm not gonna be too ambiguous about the term i'm not gonna do like a, a, a groundwork here but like fascism is a political movement from 19 20s maybe world war one era italy That's yeah we're not talking where, where about name like, comes from you know we're not talking about like smash the fash we're not talking about exactly like oh shit they messed up my order at we're starbucks not talking about afd or putin or whoever gets called fascist today yeah, we're not talking about like hey like get these vaccines out of my fucking lunchbox exactly we're not talking about that we're gonna uh, mostly one of the one of the identifiers for fascists and the kind of i want to talk about today is they like to wear uniforms. That's like mm. not not a hard one, but that's that's a common thing they all have. They Man. like their uniforms, and they like their one color uniforms. It's very specific to have the one color uniform. Was green? Well, that's that like the original. Ah, you have Nazi. to choose whatever. The original Nazis were brown. Mm -hmm. The the um, Italian fascists of nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties, forties Italy were black. Like, of course, not by skin, but <laughs> yeah. Um, and like today we'll have even nazis that will wear silver attire oh, silver surfer dude yeah basically they're i mean i'm getting ahead of myself let's start with the first one then all of the three guys i want to talk about they were leaders not necessarily of fascist movements because only two of them had actual movements behind them but um they and so like i'm gonna talk about three people which two of them were leaders of movements two of them were writers of books but they all overlap in their inclination towards fascism. They've all been born around 1890. And, um, Aquariuses? Oh, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> and it depends on which months they born. A year of the monkey? I don't know. <laughs> year of the pig. Year of the pig. And um, they actually all survived World War II and died in like the mid, uh, even late second half of the 20th century. Oh, shit. Um, so, like, the first one I want to talk about is a guy who's called Lawrence Dennis. And Lawrence what? Lawrence Dennis. And Lawrence he's not, this, Dennis. This, he's not the, the annoying neighbor boy from the Walter Matthau movie. Mm -hmm. um, no, he's a, he's, he's, he's a full-grown man or has become one. Dude, imagine being a full-grown man. And your name is like two first names. Lawrence yeah. Dennis. Yeah. It's literally Dennis, like with a double N, like the first name. I think wow. in this time it wasn't probably even that much of a first name, so it didn't stand out. Just didn't have a last name. <laughs> Technically, I don't have a last name because my, my two, my first and last name are actually first names in German. Ah, so that explains a lot. Yeah, I have three first that names. That explains a lot yeah. why you chose this topic. <laughs> why I'm here in a silver shirt today. Yeah. Why you kicked <laughs> off the only POC person. Yeah. Why Talk, it's like talked about what we talked before starting yeah, the podcast. <laughs> yep, we talked about the anti, you know who, 
type of bullshit. <laughs> it's all coming together. It's all my personal inclination. I, on the other hand, I only have last names. I don't even have a first name. <laughs> yeah, really? I, I, I'm just last name. Is your first name a uh, last name in Russian too? Well, yeah, sure. Anything can be a last name. <laughs> <laughs> Technically. So, yeah, Lawrence Dennis. He's, um, he's, he's the one that I am can personally respect the most of them dude i love how it's this is (laughs) (laughs) we're not we're not like doing like a like a best off here it's a best of nutters but he's he's the least of a nutter with probably having had uh, the best of intentions Ah, so like basically you're saying like you would put your money on this guy if you had to like bet and you were living at that time and you you were like at the you were at the at your bookie and the, like the, the the chances of like which guy is gonna is gonna if the if the all of the, the three were, would have or would now run for president, he would be the last one to actually like be stay in the in the race. Actually, I think ah, right, right, right. because he's the most sensible person, the most outspoken person, the most intellectual. Or the, he would be the last person. Maybe he, he would be, be the first the person yeah. to get kicked out. And one of them actually, and that's not Lawrence Dennis, actually ran for presidency in the nineteen forties. Damn, dude. And lost, like I'm spoiling, but like yeah. Um, Which party? I'm, I'm gonna talk about uh, this. Later. So Lawrence Dennis, um, he's also particularly interesting because um, I mean, not necessarily. This is this would be racist in itself, but um, you, I think I can I I'll, I'll lean myself a little out of the window and say um, one would expect a fascist of the 1930s or 40s to be a white person, and the thing is. Surprise, surprise, Lawrence Dennis isn't actually. Bruh. This is a bra moment right here. <laughs> yeah, didn't expect that, did you? Um, so he um, he was most successful, or like, if you want to call that successful, but mo- most well-known during the era of the Great De- Depression in, in the USA. So like the second half of the 1920s. And... Um, because the first half was like well, no, the opposite of depression. Actually, I think like I don't even know really one what's considered the Great Depression in years. Like I think it's, it have, ends it, around thirty five or so. It might have right? only started with the world economic crisis of nineteen twenty nine. Yeah, I think. So. Um, anyways, um, this guy he was born in eighteen ninety three, and nineties um, kid. He was born as a as a son of a successful businessman, and as by the time it was usual, I guess a, a homemaker wife. Um and uh, his father was white. His mother was of African American descent. I don't know if like one of her parents was white too, but like she, I've seen pictures uh, of her, and she was a black lady. She was a you could see it. She was a southern black lady. You could see it. Like there was no like ambiguity about this. Her son though, he, you could see even like there's the the funny thing is there's a a lot of ch- childhood pictures of Lawrence Dennis. Um, I'll just go into why in a couple of minutes. Um, and you could see that he would not like... He, he's more racially ambiguous looking. And mm-hmm. um, still he's... I mean, like most pictures or actually all of them uh, that I saw were like black and white pictures. So huh, no pun intended. Um, mm-hmm. The thing is like, so you can't really like talk about his, his, his skin color too much in like a in, in like informed way. But he doesn't look too dark. He's He could be like an Italian or something. Dude, this could, this could only happen in the... And uh, back in the day when they everyone was black and white, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Every, he, he was dark gray. Like b- this before they came up with like color, this the, like this that's everyone could like pass off, you know. Absolutely, and and he did a good job. The the real funny thing is, well, it's not. I, I'm getting ahead of myself again. His father died. His father died when he was still a uh, very young child, 
and um, that's not the funny part, of course. But then his his mother um, took over the household and education of her son, and he had a very early career uh, before, way before becoming a fascist or like a fascist writer or intellectual or novelist or whatever you want to call him. Um, he was a something like something called like a a child pastor. Uh, even like a child missionary, you could say. So like they Bro, dre- they, dude. <laughs> they they dressed up like of course like as as their southern uh, uh, American like southern Americans. I mean like out of the states of the south of the USA, um, they were all like crazy Christians, you know. Like I think they were Baptists or maybe yeah. Methodists. No, I think they were Baptists. So his mother, um, and I'm I'm really I didn't find how it came to it, but imagine like this guy. His, he was like, I don't know, five, six, seven years old and his father had just died and his mother picked him and said, like, you're becoming, you're becoming a child pastor. You're going from church to church, from county to county, preaching to people. And that was probably something like a spiel they, and a scam they made money with. I don't know, like the, the, the child himself probably didn't really believe in, in what he said and was told what to say. Dude, I don't but know he this. was. This like sounds like the only solution to the whole like Catholic Church sex scandals. Just make all the priests. Kids. Yeah, make it make a child pope. Yeah, make a pope a kid. It's a great sh- idea for a show. Too. Actually, yes, yeah. Young should... pope should have been <laughs> young, youngest pope. Youngest pope. Yeah. So like his mother picked him up and um, the little Lawrence Dennis with like his curly hair and his like like uh, sailor dress. Uh, and actually went after being successful in like the state. He, he, I think he was from 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 Virginia, um, and um, he, he she picked him. And after he's he's been successful as a child pastor, he they literally went on a world tour where he then ended up like preaching in uh, England. Uh, France, Germany, where he even as a child learned French and German. That was probably the beginning of the end, you could wow. say, um, because they he could him, could huh? read the the stuff in the in the original, and um, but that was a phase. Like he did become a, a fascist then, of course. So like after they they made a couple of bucks, I guess, with that scheme, um, they went back to the states, and little Dennis actually. Um, attended no i think he was from georgia actually he then attended emory university in atlanta where he studied journalism and um he was obviously a bright child um and uh yeah he he had a potentially very different career uh, ahead of him but then world war one broke out world war one of course is for most fascists also a very like seminal point in history and he became a soldier like probably being like in his late teens or early 20s like they were pretty young back then and the soldiers i mean and um served in france um he even was like a officer even i think like a like a petty officer of course but um he was quite successful as a soldier too he, he was a talented guy it seems and uh, when he went back to the states he didn't even go back to his original uh, university in atlanta emory uh, but he was actually admitted to harvard and uh, graduated from Harvard in 1920. Damn, dude. Like, whenever I read, like, uh, biographies of people from back in the day, anybody, they just got, they took up anybody at Harvard. Anyone, like, you can read, they just take you in. <laughs> like, I think I think being, this like, This guy's from smartened. the South, and yeah. he can read? Half black. Bruh, come yeah. over here, dude. So, like, yeah, I think probably back then it was more important to be talented than 
tend to have money, I guess. Yeah, they yeah. would like they. I don't. What time? When did they start asking people for like to for money to go there? How long ago that happened? It's just a guess, but like the 1950s, the latest, like when they when it, when they wanted to make sure to keep the commies out, <laughs> you know. Um, sure. They only accepted the old money. Um, so yeah, he finished his studies in journalism, became a journalist, and uh, wrote for several newspapers like the Atlanta Georgian or the New York Evening Post. I don't even know if these papers still exist, but by the time they were at least regionally popular and successful. And um, he then, he wasn't fulfilled in this, I guess, and then even joined the Foreign Service of the United States. So he technically became something of a diplomat. And then some sources say the turning point in his life happened. I mean, I don't really know why they would say it's the turning point, but he was... um, he was ordered to serve for the foreign service in Nicaragua, for example, and then like um, Sandino and shit. Exactly. So like between the world wars, um, there was I'm, I'm not going too deep into this one, but there was like a leftist revolution or rebellion rather in Nicaragua. Um, but yeah, why is that a turning point? <laughs> yeah, I think it was a turning point in the way that, like, um, towards fascism, sim- similar to to Red Elvis, yeah. to Dean Reed, he for the first time saw there that like American foreign po- uh, politics. Policies. Yeah, I mean, I guess there there are like some isolationist fascists out there too. Yeah, like he was probably sympathetic to to the to the cause of the leftist rebels in, yeah. in Nicaragua, and because from his from his point of view, they were probably more like nationalists trying to free themselves from American Kinda, influence. Yeah. Anytime it's a small nation, the nationalism is like a different thing then it's like exactly when it's like an empire being like no we're nationalists (laughs) so yeah he was so so discouraged by u.s interventionism he saw there that he completely changed his view of america and um actually became kind of um anti-pathetic to it or rather say he he wanted america to not be an empire but rather a state that isolates itself like according to the monroe doctrine of the 19th century or something and basically keeps out of the affairs of other countries and um, also by the time he started to write about political theory and um, when we bring all of this together so like he was uh, discouraged by American policy he had his like uh, early childhood experiences in Europe with the European culture and the differences to the US culture and he became he was smart and uh, university trained and he became interested in political theory. And by the 1920s, late 1920s, early 1930s, um, yeah, obviously he, he also took note of an emerging um, political movement in Europe, which is the Italian fascists and later the National Socialists under Hitler in in Germany. And um, it seems like he liked them. You know, back in the day, learning German was basically like what YouTube is today. Like, if you learn German, you're going to... I'm sorry, dude. If you're on YouTube in 2013, like, you're a Nazi. I'm sorry. You're going to be a Nazi, dude. And if you learn German in, like, 1930s, it's, it's not even his fault. You know? <laughs> so like, don't learn German, the, people. In 1930s, don't Learning learn German. Learning German en- eventually ends in becoming a fascist. Pretty much. Like, at that time, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's, that's why he doesn't really speak German. No, you yeah, do, right? no, no. I'm, I, like, I was holding out, but now it's like, now if you learn German, you start reading Marx. That's the difference. It's true. You know? It's true. There's there's alternatives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But back in the day, yeah, probably it was like this. And he was also disillusioned, and I think this is like also an interesting um, correlation to to the Red Elvis thing, it's like he went to Latin America, uh, saw a leftist uprising, and also started not only to criticize um, 
American interventionism or imperialism, but also capitalism as a system. Also, of course, when he came back to his home country, there was the Great Depression. Like at the late, late 1920s, he saw um, all the economical problems, um, the, the decline of a big part of the population into poverty, especially like the middle class. And um, he thought about alternatives. And yeah, one of the alternatives he saw, and he even to that he came to that point where he saw it was unavoidable to happen, was uh, that fascism would become the new global trend on the political uh, world theater, and everyone will eventually become fascists. I mean, there's one thing that like is a bit under under um, stressed in the sources is that um, there was also 1917, of course, the big Bolshevik revolution in Russia, which. Most of the people I'm talking about today were rather not preferring over fascism, as it a couple of years later came out, you could say, or were actually staunch anti-communists, and hence they had to become fascists, you could say. Um, but yeah, Lawrence Dennis then started really picking up writing in the early 1930s. Um, he also not unlike Dugan, basically, thought he had a great idea. He had to like pick up the pen and pen down uh, uh, ideas for the new century or like the he's rest the idea of the century. man dude. he's the idea man dude i love fucking idea man <laughs> and like to cite some of his titles and when they were published you can already see, already see where it's going like 1932 his um debut book was uh, is capitalism doomed so here you see it's more like capitalism critique mm-hmm. um the next one just called n-word <laughs> oh, four years later in 1936 um, he, the book is already titled. His next book is already titled "The Coming American and Fascism." And Dude, this and, guy's like, I, what I like about him is he, and generally like, I mean, not like you know, like <laughs> prefer in these types of guys from back in the day to the today's guys. Like they didn't mince words. They're like straight. It's straightforward. But he's like, is capitalism doomed? Okay, is he? <laughs> that's a straightforward title. That's I mean. a straightforward title. But then like second, second, second hit coming out. It's like. Fascism. <laughs> yes. Like, that's the shit, dude. Yeah, basically he came up with the title of this episode or mm-hmm. something like this. And then in 1940, when uh, the war in Europe had already started, and he also saw that America was more and more probably pulled in it, into it, um, the next book's titled in 1940, The Dynamics of War and Revolution, because he already saw the potential of an America under Roosevelt joining the Allies in World War Two, which like kind of was foreseeable at this point, at at, uh, at a certain point to happen, um, that that might cause actually uh, a revolution, which in the end might lead to a fascist takeover. And wait, wait but fascist takeover of what of the U.S. government? Take- yeah, fascist takeover of like ah, he thought a- because Americans that are against the war and ah, sympathetic towards so Germany. Much, there'd be so much uh, pro-German uh, movements in America. That Basically, yeah. Dude, I mean, what a like bad call. I mean, like, that was definitely <laughs> that was definitely like a misinterpretation. Yeah, like, of and things. it's also I'm not even saying it from a perspective of like today. Just generally, what a shitty call. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, on the other hand, there were, like, people in... I mean, like, I'm, I'm not an expert on the statistics of that subject, but um, I would think, like, in the early 1930s, mid-1930s um, US, there was, like, a movement that was rather against involvement in the war because... Oh, yeah, but it wasn't, like, against involvement because, like, they're pro-German. Like, the, yeah. from what I understand, like, because the Germans are, like, a huge part of US population by that True. point... But, like, after the First World War, 
last names that sound German start getting changed. Like every, they used to have so much German shit there. They'd have like little villages, German everywhere. After yeah. like English, they'd be like newspapers and shit. After the first world, nothing. Yes. Like there's no sympathy at all. <laughs> like absolutely, yeah. These people gave up any identity they had as Germans. You're right. Willingly, they were like, "Fuck no, dude, I want to You're live right. happy so, life." Uh, considering that it was like a staunch misinterpretation. That's like, yeah. I mean, he went from is capitalism doomed? Nice take. Mm -hmm. To like, we're the Germans definitely winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, my my favorite example for this whole rebranding of Germanness or like like basically uh, like sugar coating or like not even like like. Covering up Germanness is like the renaming of the Dachshund into Wiener Dog, which <laughs> is not really a good choice, I think, because Vienna is kind of still Germany. Sorry, Austrians, but you know what I mean. Sorry, not uh, sorry, dude. Um, I was yeah. just there, dude. I was just in Austria. Dude. Oh, really? Oh, well, in an airport in Austria. Oh, Vienna? <laughs> I was in Vienna oh, in yeah. airport. Yeah, you know what? It's kind of like uh, Vienna is like, like Munich, but taller. It is. it is. It's it, like it, tall Munich. You know, Munich... That's a little excourse here, but like Munich never really made it to the stage to be an empire, empire yeah, yeah. an imperial capital of any real yeah. like importance. Vienna, though, absolutely was that, but is now <laughs> the capital of a, of a country that is kind of as big as Bavaria. Yeah. So like it's just oversized in any dimension insane, for what it is dude. now. Like I, I was crossing the road to get to a little McDonald's over there took me like five minutes to cross the road because the boulevards are just you so... were at the the ring i guess like the big i was circular. yeah i was at the, the, the downtown mm. i went because i was at the airport i had to spend the night there so i was like i'm gonna go out this i'm gonna mm. like i didn't get a hotel or whatever so i was like i'm gonna check out the city came in two hours in, i'm like fuck this shit i'm leaving bro <laughs> sucks <laughs> i've seen it it's like yeah it's like it's I not mean, unlike St. Petersburg in that respect, I assume. Yeah, but I mean, also, I'm not like St. Petersburg. At least I'll chat someone up there, you know, be like, "Hey, I'm," you know, hmm. "I'm also Russian here." Yeah, that's <laughs> like, true. That's at true, midnight, yeah. some guy shows up in Vienna to you with a Russian accent, being like, hey, "You want to hang out, dude?" <laughs> like, I don't want to get like either murdered, or, well, like self-defense murdered. Also, <laughs> like they'd be defended or like uh, maced in the face. You know? <laughs> or, or you'd be surprised actually how many uh, Austrian right wingers are very sympathetic towards Russia. Oh yeah, that's I. I also don't want to have that conversation. <laughs> yeah. That's even worse. Actually, I'd rather get like self-defense murdered <laughs> yeah. by some like. I don't know, like Russia hating uh, vaccine type of person. Like I don't know, like like these types of guys, you know. So yeah, and coming back to to Lawrence, um, now the most interesting part comes. So like he he got some renown with with these books. He he wasn't super successful. Like we would have even we now would have probably heard about any of the books I just named if he would have been super successful. So he wasn't, but he had his certain audience and. Um, he had a certain renown. He was something popular, like up to the point where in 1941, so a couple of years later, um, Life magazine called Dennis America's number one intellectual fascist. I mean, like, isn't that um, a moniker? Who's the number one dumbass fascist? Oh, we, we'll, we'll come to we'll, we'll come to the people that not I'm not sure if it's Life magazine, but that the people that were by the same time basically called America's enemy public enemy number one yeah but <laughs> like, what the hell is that intellectual fascist is is it like opposed to like a it's like it's like uh, 
Milo or somebody, I guess. I don't know. Ah, they mean like public intellectual who is also a fascist. Yes, no. and and who's edgy and like gets some notoriety because oh, of yeah, that. True, he is kind of Milo of his time because like yeah. obviously like there were gay people didn't exist till like the nineties. So black person, half <laughs> <laughs> yeah. black person was yeah. the gay person <laughs> of that gay era. Person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically um and like yeah but like let's say like it wasn't like he wasn't labeled wrongly or something because in the late 1930s i think it was after 1936 he, he didn't go there for the for the um for the olympics but he uh, didn't he he boycotted the olympics or what? no he, he said he didn't go there and by there i mean the german reich he didn't go there for the olympics like mm -hmm. other people we'll talk about today did. Right. <laughs> but in the late 1930s but before the war started or at least bef i think it was even before 1939 at least before the u.s got involved in the war he went to germany to i think by that by that time or so far we that as we've talked um he he didn't even go back to germany visit since he was like i don't know seven years old But then he did, and uh, even met some Nazis, like uh, Rudolf Hess. You know who Rudolf Hess is? No, who's Rudolf, Rudolf Hess? Hess is, is that like... the guy who came up with the Hass avocados? Is that the <laughs> no, that would be Hess avocados then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they would be called if the Nazis would have won. Well, you uh, did say they ended up in South America, I guess, maybe. <laughs> Rudolf Hess is like uh, probably something like my favorite Nazi in, in like... Dude, He, I love this episode. <laughs> this is my favorite episode. Yeah, we're rating, basically we're rating Nazis <laughs> yeah. today. We went Let's from rating TNG episodes <laughs> to like, who's your favorite Nazi, dude? <laughs> Because Rudolf Hess is the wonkiest of the Nazis. I oh, mean, yeah. like the original not National Socialist. Did he bring bring like a wacky character to Nazism? Kind of, yeah. He was he was a bit of like the the artist of of the, the Nazis. Of the he was the, he was like the goofball. He was not a big speaker. He was like the one of the earliest supporters of of Hitler. He was his he was his, day one, bro. He was his lieutenant, his number one, his vice Führer, basically. Wow, dude. Really, he like he had this kind of title mostly uh, up until the end. He's he, like Hitler's top boy. He's Hitler's top boy. He's he's basically Hitler. Also, you could say he was Hitler's bitch. Like from the beginning, he was Bo bottom dollar bitch. Uh, he's the guy who actually wrote Mein Kampf, Bro. Like, because like, like Hitler, Hitler, Hitler couldn't write. He, he, oh, Hitler could write. He like, mostly, I guess, a typewriter was used. But he was the guy typing in the typewriter while ah, Hitler, Hitler was, was running like, around mumbling. the room and like uh, rambling. You know? Oh wow, dude! Um, so he was the one of the first converts. I think yeah. Either he, uh, I'm not sure if he, if he, you know, like Hitler was in, in jail in the 1920s after he tried his first coup d'état and failed miserably. Mm -hmm. um, And I, I don't know, like, I think Hess was rightfully in jail with him because he was also involved in the coup. Maybe Hess even, like, kind of uh, uh, voluntarily <laughs> visited Hitler every day. I don't, I'm not sure about this, but I think he was in jail too. Man, you know, like, Hitler has, like, this energy that... And I, I'm not saying these comparisons because I want to say, like, Trumps or whatever are Hitlers of today. But there is, like, a specific, like, kind of a con man aspect to these people. And a con man that's, like... Yeah, I don't know. What to call. Like Steve Bannon has this energy. Like if they had a bit of a more of a movement behind them, they could totally like overthrow the government. It's just the movement is not there. But the energy is kind of like similar. Like these kind of like guys. It's almost like a cult kind of bullshit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. And I mean, like, the it, original Nazis were a cult for sure. Yeah, and there's like a difference, you know, in a sense when people like compare Stalin and Hitler, like because cult of personality popped up real late for Stalin. Mm. Like people didn't fucking like that guy mm. he was just like 
he was just a ruthless careerist. Yeah. You know, Stan. But these Basically guys, killed all of the opponents. Yeah, he was just really good at the game. <laughs> yeah. And these guys, like even Hitler, it seems like he just stumbled into all of his success. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Like he was just knocking one one table after another. Yeah. Like not really good and he just got lucky. Yeah, so he's basically <laughs> the Forrest Gump of fascism. Yeah, yeah for sure, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Crazy. And so, yeah, and when then Lawrence went to Germany. Oh, yeah, I forgot the most funny part about uh, Rudolf Hess. Like Rudolf Hess, like some of our listeners might know that especially the german ones i guess but rudolf hess he tried to end the war and i think it was 1942 1943 maybe um he tried to end the war by himself basically he was also like other nazis too like himmler for example he was a crazy esotericist and so his like astrologist told him like the stars are aligned so when you now take a plane fly to england Give them a uh, hand them over a peace proposal. They will agree, and like the war in the West will be over. That's what the guy really, literally thought. And like, if Hitler would have known of this plan, he would have probably shot him himself or something. Mm -hmm. But he concealed it successfully. Actually, managed to get on, acquire a plane, get on the plane, fly to England, crash landed there, get arrested, and spent the rest of the, of the war in jail there. Oh, well, was he on the Nuremberg, or did he get? He was on the Nuremberg trials. Did he get trialed, or he did got, he, he not got do He got trialed and got life sentence. He was. He, oh, so he, he was, survived. He, he was the last Nazi to die. The last. Oh, dude, that's cool. So this guy basically, like, he played this, played it all right. Actually, <laughs> I mean, like, he he, he 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 took a very weird way, but it was probably better than to stay with the other guys. Yeah, dude, he'd, the have, end, yeah. he'd have to cyanide for sure, because if he's Hitler's top guy, <laughs> mm -hmm. like you're with him in the bunker, he'd be instead of the dog there, he'd be like, he'd be petting Hess. Definitely, know? yeah, definitely. Or he'd be like, he'd be instead of <laughs> he, 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 he he wouldn't know. <laughs> and maybe this, or he would have tried. You know that Hitler like gave the cyanide pill to his dog to <laughs> test it, like if. If Rudolf Hess would have still been there, like Rudolf Hess would have been the dog. Dude, also, <laughs> bro, like there's all these guys like Rudolf. That's your fucking name, dude. Yeah, <laughs> Rudolf the red-nosed fascist. Yeah, I know, dude. Bro. So, uh, when Lawrence went to Germany, he met Rudolf Hess and he liked him, and they, they, so that tells you a little about like all the the stuff I told you about Rudolf Hess. Tells you a little about who uh, Lawrence Dennis also was by character or by personality, because he also met Joseph Goebbels and Hermann Göring, and he particularly despised the two of them oh, yeah, I get like it. Hermann Göring was like a, like a fat buffoon and Joseph Goebbels was also probably like a madman that you could I was about like, to say this like some guys are like bro it's beginning of the century why are you fat like how does this even happen you know like we didn't even get bad food yet how would you end up being obese and and being also a heroin addict <laughs> yeah, or most I, I mean that's probably how but like <laughs> like half like not half like most of the world is like starving right now You're fat, dude. What the hell is going on? Yeah, it, it, I mean, like, we don't really have to talk. I shouldn't talk about Goering too much, but like, yeah, I mean, like, it's it's obvious to dislike Goering. I think even most of his of his his peers dislike Goering, mm -hmm. but he also disliked Goebbels. And he and Lawrence Dennis was a bit disappointed by actual Nazism. I think not so much that he renounced it, but well, he never also claimed to be a real Nazi, rather fascist. Yeah, but um, he was inspired by the by the German Nazis, of course. So um. He went to Germany, met Rudolf Hess, but that was his only stint, basically, in in uh, fascist or Nazi Germany. Um, and then went back to the States. And basically, soon after he arrived back in the States, like, Pearl Harbor happened and, like, the States got involved. And although these all these people, also the other ones we're talking about today, 
the I don't know the FBI didn't exist by the time I think I don't know but like uh, like the the state uh, prosecutors they already Roosevelt like the president everybody like he he had like a list of these people already they were ah, out, there, there they were outspoken smile. fascist supporters so like and as as the tides were turning against or Germany or rather uh, the involvement of the US in the war against Germany yeah um they were on a list they were under surveillance basically and with Pearl Harbor is like a, the turning point here for the overall political movement of fascism in America because whatever success they might have had before from this point on they either got incarcerated or uh, house house arrest or at least like close surveillance and same happened to to Dennis and um, despite all of this he's still trying to join the US army in World War II because After all, he was an American patriot. Of course, I, I think I didn't have to say that because the, the well-being of the American state in whatever he perceived it to be was his first point on the agenda. And so in the end, uh, he wanted to still fight for his country. But being an outspoken fascist, they didn't let him in the army. <laughs> and <laughs> Surprise, surprise. And um, what what's also interesting, I mean, like you might have heard, Ilya, about the... This what's called like the the Council for Un-American Activities or something, yeah, you yeah. know. This like later on, like in the, especially after the war, late 1940s, early 1950s, when the Cold War broke out, they mostly tried to find the commies in Hollywood or whatever. Um, but th the same the same institution kind of existed already before, but was more like uh, trying to find the fascists who would mm -hmm. support the Japanese and German war effort. Uh, on home and turf. they found him. Every single Japanese person lived in America <laughs> was a fascist. <laughs> Basically, yeah. I mean, like that's that's the thing. Like the, the that was the most. They went like thing, do, 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 yeah. scanning. Like oh, this guy. <laughs> they were easy to pick out. Also, like the they, they couldn't were, pass this. This white. Yeah, there were two bad Chinese people were there too. You know, it's too bad. A lot, a lot of times they couldn't tell between. Uh, Chinese and Japanese fascists. I'm not an expert, but I'm pretty sure some Chinese people ended up in these prison camps yeah, like being mistaken of... for Japanese, being like, I'm actually Chinese. Yeah. And they're like, oh, fuck, we don't care, Jack. But on the other hand, I feel like a lot of Japanese guys were like, dude, I'm Korean. Or like, dude, yeah. I'm Chinese, actually. You're so racist, bro. Yeah. That wasn't a defense back then. You couldn't. No, be, you no. Couldn't, <laughs> they did the face check and you that was enough. You know, you couldn't guilt white people into yeah. like, being like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> So yeah, um, and this like um, this committee, I think that's yeah, the committee for the for the anti-American activities. They also like um, tried him, or rather, um, there was a trial called the Great Sedition Trial of 1944. So when the war was definitely turning uh, for in favor of the Allies and um, the Nazis and the Japanese were losing the war, like they they wanted to finally in the US they wanted to finally get rid of all these people like or at least like not that have them free running out there and like actually doing something for the war effort of their enemies i guess um i mean like if 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 it if it was like if it would be like uh, stalin ussr they would have been shot i guess yeah. that you have to give that to the americans <laughs> they at least tried these people yeah well i mean there is like a little kind of like a straightforwardness that i always appreciate to stalin you know? it's true you know so. you just go you're dead dude. it's the straightforwardness of a bullet coming yeah. out of a barrel right? you, sh you shouldn't have wrote a book saying how you love, much you love fascists i'm sorry yeah. you wrote a whole book dude yeah. <laughs> like i mean come on dude yeah. like I, i understand some guy like telling a bad joke at a bar and stalin shooting him like, of course that's not good but you wrote a whole book like hey let's let's not 
like let people have fun times anymore. He could have could have been a bit more, <laughs> bit more discreet about yeah, it. Yeah, you know how like some people say like, oh, this guy knows so much about the subject, he could write a book on it. Yeah. this guy did. <laughs> Stalin is loading his gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and and the funny thing is though he. He got tried in this great sedition trial of 1944, mostly on the on the uh, content of his book, The Dynamics of War and Revolution. Um, you remember what I said about it before? Mm-hmm. And for conspiracy. And for being wrong. And for being wrong. For being bad at predicting. And, and being half black who didn't probably help. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, to make sure. But he, they didn't know yet, he, right? A, everybody was considering him a white, a white person. Yeah. I mean, like, he was m- tried maybe, as a white man. Maybe the FBI was collecting data according along these lines you know but um that wasn't part of the Dude, trial if a black guy was a fascist like that he'd be in jail yeah, yeah. that was some extra <laughs> minus points i guess but like it wasn't officially so the funny thing is though like uh, as smart and as out uh, like well spoken um as well as outspoken uh, lawrence dennis was he organized uh, he was tried with a couple of other people and dennis though it's it seems like organized uh, together with lawyers i assume organized the defense strategy yeah so dennis argued that he was merely uh examining fascism and predicting uh it's coming to the usa so like it's potential coming it was all theoretical mm-hmm. um which technically it was you have to give it to well the... i mean to be honest with you, he doesn't even strike me as a guy who'd like organizing shit no no he wasn't he was actually mere, like he was a, a pure intellectual sounds like a freaking nerd we, we, we're we're coming to the sounds guys like who a guy actually... who would never wear a cool uniform to me he he never wore a, he tried to wear a, a, a u.s uniform but they didn't let him but he yeah. was not actually making up or wearing or tailoring himself a nazi uniform yeah. no i mean to be honest, i would let this guy go so yeah, he organized the the defense together with the lawyers, and they were successful. And that's, actually, that's the only guy in history of the world that decided to be his own lawyer and succeeded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> also a lawyer in a in a in a case where he was like accused of helping Nazis. <laughs> yeah, and he came away, he got away with <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, he know? got away. He got away with it too. <laughs> so yeah, um, and he he was he was uh, successfully dissecting and rejecting all of the accusation and um, was let go actually. Wow. Nonetheless. Beat the charge, dude. Another black man beats the charge. Actually, yes, yeah. And nonetheless, though, um, his his reputation was ruined after that. Uh, of of course, also especially after the Nazis then lost the war and fascism wasn't the viable or ter- alternative anymore. Um, he he was completely like publicly kind of dead. Like he he was a persona non grata. I mean, yeah, there's bad call. That's what happens when you when you have a bad bad take. <laughs> like nothing worse than like a. The, when you have a take and the complete opposite happens. Like, I remember I was walking around telling people, Russia's not going to attack Ukraine. Come on, bro. <laughs> and then I was, like, so mad at Putin. <laughs> <laughs> you motherfucker. Dude, my, my fucking... I had a good thing going. People trusted what I was saying. And like now I'm never going to trust you with anything. No, no, never. I mean, like I know I wasn't smart ever or whatever, but like now obviously no one's going to ever going to listen to whatever. I no, uh, trust, trust me. It's a good turner. It's a good turner, man. You were so wrong about the whole Ukraine Dude, thing. I'm yeah. not going to, I'm going to get diarrhea. Whatever restaurant you ever recommend me, I'm getting diarrhea there for sure. And they'll be right too. Like I did. No one ever should listen to it. That was, that's, that's the level of take that this guy had. Actually, yes. And you gotta also, again, give to him what belongs to him. He, in 1946, like, the other two guys we were talking about, they stayed Nazis, basically. They were so deep in it, they stayed Nazis even after the war. He still, in 1946, for example, he expressed that um, the elites needed wars to unite against foreign devils, like, uh, to, to, like, trick the population, stay in power, you know, all of this. But he definitely, he, 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 um, he smelled the fresh breeze in the air, 
and turned down the Nazism, fascism thing. Um, basically, in his later life after the war, when he wasn't like a popular figure anymore, continued to to write a little and um, still um, um, argued in in his. I think only one book was published, or maybe two after the war. Um, argued politically, but he didn't play the fascism card anymore. He was smart enough. His um, a later book of his, like I think it was published in the nineteen fifties, was called "Operational Thinking for Survival." What? So, so you see, he's 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 not as upfront oh, with do, his title. I do like. Uh, what's this book about? Operational thinking. For survival? I think it's about like the like uh, the survival part is about the Cold War and future economic problems, maybe even some ecological problems. Oh wow! Um, he abandoned uh, socialism or state socialism, whatever the difference is. I've never figured that out. Um. As a as a solution, and said like like also it was the Cold War like to to even remotely be considered a commie or something. He wouldn't beat that charge. Yeah. Let's let's just get this <laughs> yeah. Straight. The committee the committee would have gotten him the second time. They, and also, <laughs> if that was the charge, he would never like be like I'm my own lawyer. He'd lawyer up real quick. Absolutely, and so yeah, he he abandoned this notion and. Uh, Turned to Keynesian politics. Um, oh my God, dude. Uh, he basically became these, a social democrat. I something. hate these fair weather Nazis. You know? yeah. I hate these like fair weather state planners. Like, yeah. dude, <laughs> Keynes, come on, man. Yeah. Like they, they just default to Keynes straight away. That's just that's I, he should have been put to prison for that. Just so, like for the drop. So yeah, in the end, he, he he was a bit of like a like a normie. He became kind of a normie. But you have to give him another thing. Um, that's my favorite note about his life, probably, and the, the one I will end on. But about wait, he didn't live to see like Milton Friedman or whatever. When did he die? He died in in nineteen seventy seven. So he. Oh, so he he's, saw he's, Friedman. He, he used to Was he like a Friedmanite? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, well, I don't, at least that. I, I don't. <laughs> I, I mean, like also, like he might have uh, officially like abandoned the idea of socialism. He probably still was like sympathetic towards it. Mm-hmm. My favorite, my favorite anecdote about him is though, like he seems to have even come to terms with his African American heritage and uh, grew an Afro hairstyle in his That's later so years, funny. and basically lived as more or less like a black man in like the nineteen sixties and nineteen seventies without being any any kind of popular figure. I mean, you know what? It is funny, but it's also such a normal ass life, actually, in a sense. <laughs> and, and it's a bit anticlimactic. Yeah. It ends a bit anticlimactic after meeting like the 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 lieutenant of Adolf Hitler. Yeah, like, like it's also like I mean, obviously, like I understand why he was hiding being black. Like I'd be doing the same by, shit. In these times, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, and I also totally understand. Like after seventies, you're like, oh, I'm I'm black, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I'm, I'm going through the cool kids. Now. Yeah, I'm growing yeah. my afro. I'm sitting there <laughs> dancing to disco music. Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing cocaine. You know, I'm having fun. All the parties. You know, he that's, came, he came up with hip hop later. That's that's pretty, that's pretty much how I, how I imagined this the later years. Yeah, actually, story. I can't like uh, I can't blame that guy. He sounds normal as hell. There's like a nor- normality to this guy that I can appreciate. The next guy, you will like him though. You know, will like him. Nice. We're cranking um, up the goofy fact. This this guy is uh, to start with. He's not an American. He's a German. He's a, he's a German, and his full name is Fritz Julius Kuhn. And Kuhn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> written K U A H N though. Sure. Um, the funny thing is, he is of my hometown. He's born in Munich in um, 19, uh, 1896, So also an eighteen nineties child. Dude. Yeah. Um. And um, 
he f he had a pretty standard German life, I guess, for the first couple of years of his life, or not, rather, first couple of decades. What's a standard German life? By this time, he was a soldier in World War One. <laughs> he, he got the Iron Cross in World War One, so he was an infantry lieutenant, and um, then gr graduated after the war from the Technical University of Munich. That's such a typical German. With a master's degree in in chemistry, <laughs> like yeah, that's today like, he would he would work for like a like a tech startup or something. Even by today's standard, that's like every fucking German person I know. That's, that's yeah. their life story. Fought in World War One, <laughs> got bachelor's in fucking Bauwesenheit or whatever. Yeah. Maschinenbau. Maschinenbau or some shit. Yeah, like works for BMW. Works for BMW. Yeah. Hates the you know who's. <laughs> But then I, I I didn't really find out why exactly, maybe because he was uh, striving for bigger goals in his life and didn't seem to make it in Germany, especially in post World War One Germany where the economic situation wasn't that good. Because in 1928, Fritz Julius Kuhn, mostly known as Fritz Kuhn for the rest of his life, emigrated to the uh, to United States. Damn, dude. Um, he uh, he jumped on the boat, went to the states. And even managed within six years, which is probably a short time by that time, um, managed to become an American citizen. By nineteen thirty-four, freaking crafty. He crafty was an American people. citizen, mm, naturalized citizen, and um, could barely <laughs> to, speak English. <laughs> barely spoke English. For, I mean, like he, he for for the time standards, he spoke English, but it was like that. You know, he was speaking speaking German like this. Yeah. Uh, in English, I mean, like this, almost as German. Yeah. And um, guess who he worked for? He moved to Detroit. And oh wow! Shit. Really? Guess who he worked for? The the, the joke is cut. It's a it's a continuous joke. He worked for the writer of the International Jew. No, he works for Ford Motor Company. Oh yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> oh oh yeah, right. <laughs> Basically, you're right. Oh yeah, fuck yeah, you got it right. He did. I mean, you can see like he was probably already anti-Semitic by the point. So yeah, he worked for Ford Motor Company, and um, in 1936, though, and then it becomes clear what kind of uh, thinker he was or what kind of like uh, ideas he liked. He took over um, an organization called the German American Bund, which translates to the German American League. He didn't. Gab. He didn't. He didn't found it. But he took over it in 1936 on a, on a convention in Buffalo, New York, and became their leader. And that's, at least that's like the, the, the definitely the point where he uh, took up some um, political aspirations. He's Ray Kroc to, he's Ray Kroc, McDonald's Ray Kroc to whatever the German Bund was. Who's Ray Kroc? The guy who like made McDonald's, who stole ah, McDonald's. who sold the brand and made yeah, it big. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, the original McDonald's people, like, they died poor, I guess. Yeah, yeah, they barely got anything. Basically, yes. And then he immediately started to transform the German-American Bund, which was like a somewhat fascist German cultural heritage group. Um into basically the copy of the Nazi party. Damn, dude. So it was like basically like a weekend club. It was for nerds. probably a racist weekend club, exactly. <laughs> and then Fritz Kuhn came along and his, with his to, like, political aspiration, and uh, <laughs> from guys to eat pretzels, exactly, and uh, turned it into the something like the Auslandsorganisation of the NSDAP, um, which is not absolutely correctly because they uh, correct because there was um, particular like. Uh, ah, there already was one. There, there was there was an official like, uh, like uh, I think it was like one organization more or less concentrated or like oh, that's not probably not the best word here mm -hmm. but like <laughs> um, 
orchestrated from from Germany, um, representing the NSDAP, the National Socialist German Workers Party, um, abroad. That was not the German-American Bund, but the German-American Bund copied uh, the actual Nazis in any way. So they had, now they come the uniforms, they had the brown uniforms, they had swastikas, they, they basically like, if you're not a historian or a Nazi expert or a Nazi yourself, you can put like a German-American Bund person of the 1930s and a Nazi from Germany of the 1930s next to each other and you wouldn't know who is who actually. Yeah, that's so funny. That's like when they, that's like a knockoff version of the NSDAP. It's basically a knockoff version. And the thing is, it was it was like a, a, a copyright infringement because... Well, that's what I was about to ask, like trademarks yeah. and shit like because that. Because the Nazis didn't endorse it. The, the Nazis didn't like uh, orchestrate the thing. The Nazis didn't fully endorse it. Because, keep in mind, by the time, by the 1930s, the Nazis were playing the, oh no, we are actually nice people. We just want to make, we want to make Germany great again, you know? We yeah, don't, like, we don't plan a war or something. We don't plan a genocide. No, New no. York Times was like writing articles about Hitler being like, this guy is kind of fucking cool. Like, absolutely. And like, to, even like to the ni late 1930s, 1938, 1939, the French and the British didn't really want to, want to realize that these guys are probably going to start a war soon yeah. um, and appease them. And yeah, so like, I mean, like, I can't look into his head, of course, but like from Fritz Kuhn's point, it was more like a, it was a matter of aspiration. He just wanted to be a big guy. Like, and also the next guy we'll talk about, he outspokenly, although being an American, um, he outspokenly said like he wanted to be the Hitler of America. In a lot of respects, Fritz Kuhn came much closer to actually become something like the Hitler of America. You know what it is? It's like they have the British office and they have the American office. You know, the TV show. And, yes. But here it's because some people say, I mean, I think the American office is better, to be honest with you, than the British office. A lot of people say that, yeah. Uh, but in this case, it was reversed. You know, the American version turned out to be kind of a dud. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, like not, not even the original Nazis supported them. And by the time also when he kind of tried to become the American Hitler, Fritz Kuhn, um, he, he hasn't been back to Germany. He only, in 1936, and now we come to the point, in 1936 for the Olympics, he took like 50 of his comrades, went to Germany to pay the original gangsters a kind of a visit and like see how things are, because of course they were supported with a bit of money, with a bit of political support here and there by the Nazis, but in a very strategic way. They were not like... The Nazis weren't like, yeah, you do that. Um, you know, it was more like under the rug. Did he ever get to meet meet the big guy or no? He, that's the, that's a funny anecdote, actually. In 1936, being in Berlin for the Olympics, um, Kuhn actually managed to get like an audience, you could say. Is it called like yeah, an yeah, audience? Yeah. yeah, an audience with the big guy, the Fuhrer himself. Fuhrer. And um, there was even a photo up where he, he was like, there was a photo taken with Hitler. Like they had like, probably they met for like 15 minutes or something <laughs> and Hitler was like who's that guy again and um oh, and classic Hitler <laughs> a classic Hitler yeah and there was a photo taken with him and like um the thing is for the original for the actual Nazis that turned out to be detrimental in the states because in the states like the, the German American Bund the German American League the Fritz Kuhn Nazi organization they become came of kind of notorious like the state didn't like him their political opponents didn't like him they they had street fights with people so they were kind of hooli considered hooligans and the, as i just said the original nazis from germany they didn't want to be associated with these guys in the states too much especially from a, from a from political perspective yeah hitler later on in the 1930s 
stated that it was a mistake to take a picture with Kuhn. Ah, so you're saying that was like bad luck for the real Nazis. Exactly. <laughs> like Fritz Kuhn from like the American interior politics perspective yeah. made Hitler look <laughs> bad. Like, like so when Hitler was like, oh fuck, man, I, we had like this, well, why did we let this guy in here? On actually? his deathbed or whatever, his death basement, he was like, if I, I only have one regret, <laughs> I'm, my only regret is taking a picture of this fucking idiot. Yeah, basically this, basically <laughs> this, this. Fucking LARPer from America. I mean like after the, after the war, uh, then started like especially between uh, the states and Germany like that wasn't much of a big matter anymore but up to this point Hitler was very unhappy about it's it it's so embarrassing to, to give you some to give you some some um, some numbers and still to 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 under underline what kind of what dimension of influence the, the German American Bund had they allegedly had up to 25,000 members which is not nothing but it's also not like a million movement yeah um enter their um high point their high time so, so so to say was when they had like a big rally in 1939 before the war started also not the best timing i guess but before the war started they had a big rally in madison square garden with up to 20,000 people visiting so not even the whole american german american bund was there i guess where fritz kuhn was also holding speeches or holding a big speech rather there and uh, you can still find it on youtube um, you can listen to Fritz Kuhn. He's basically saying stuff like, yeah, the country is run by Jews and commies. Fuck them. Uh, the Germans are discriminated against. We are the majority of the white population here. We got to run this place, actually, and transform it into a Nazi-like so, state. That's so freaking funny that, like, Madison Square Garden is still around. And, like, anytime there's, like, Taylor Swift in there, they're yeah. like, oh, it's the same stage that this American version of Hitler was on. Yeah, yeah like, uh, guys, I can only recommend, like, Googling it and watch the pictures. Like, there's, like... Uh, they, to make it American, they also had flags where there was like the American flag yeah, with a huge surreal. swastika on it, yeah. and they, of course they also labeled this like a George Washington memorial uh, like ceremony yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah. There was a huge like picture of George Washington behind the the speaker, um, with adorned with swastikas left and right. But uh, this was like the the heyday. So like after that, um, Kuhn's um, star dwindled, and um, yeah, um, so um, he he was then uh, after like as I said again already in 1941 when uh, like when the war in Europe started he was seen more and more controversial also by and his 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 organization by the population of the states and especially after Pearl Harbor happened and the Americans actually entered the war against Germany or rather the the, the German Nazis declared war in the U.S. You have to say organizations like Kuhn's and or people like Lawrence Dennis were per, became persona non grata and um, they um, lost popular support a lot the numbers dwindled people left the organization because they didn't want to be associated with this uh, guy um, by the way like he was never really he considered himself to be like a very like a demagogue or like the original Hitler you know like a person who, who could hold speeches that like made the blood boil or something but when you listen to his, his, to his speech he's He's not good at it, actually. Yeah. He's he's like. Wait, a, you're talking about original Hitler or their? No, no, I'm talking about Fritz Kuhn. Like, yeah. I mean, it's contest, it's contested. We could say if, if the original Hitler was that good Dude, a speaker. I saw videos but, where people fucking loved Hitler. But Kuhn wasn't for yeah. sure. Yeah. And and yeah, with uh, 1941, with uh, America entering the war, um, the whole uh, organization was basically disbanded, 
um, up to the point where in 1943, uh, he was still, he didn't go back to Germany and didn't even try. And his, his citizenship was revoked and he, he was arrested. He was also tried. The thing here is he was also tried for, um, he was tried for um, falsely uh, c having, or falsely having like, what's, what do you say? Like claimed oath or like falsely giving oaths to the States, like he, as he was a citizen ah, and so on. Like you're basically saying you lied, dude. Yeah, he lied. And like, because like people then, or like the, the government basically said like, yeah, um, you're, you were and still are probably actually supporting our enemy, although we let you in as a citizen and gave you all the, the civil liberties. Um, but you're basically a spy. And also, basically, uh, with, as with people like Al Capone or something, they also had to had to get him on other charges, <laughs> like um, taxes. <laughs> basically, yeah, like like fraudulent uh, behavior. Jay, he he, he probably also like he, he was also known for having like a couple of chicks girlfriends in every town. He was Aww, he was definitely taking some of the membership uh, money from from his organization wow, and like uh, buying nice cars for himself. No, I can forgive being a Nazi, but <laughs> stealing. <laughs> Yeah, he was, he was a con man, definitely. So in the end, he was he was um, tried and found guilty for a couple of these charges and ended up 43 months in prison. And um, after the war ended, he was deported to Germany. As, so so they, they revoked his citizenship in 1943. He kept him in prison until the end of the war and then basically deported him back to Germany in September 1945. And now imagine this guy. He was kind of the aspiring self-proclaimed Hitler of America and then um, basically was sent back to war-torn or like rather war-devastated post-war Germany and um, he was actually like he, he after he, he, he sat in prison for 43 months in the States from the American side he was a free man they just wanted him out of the country and um, in Germany, nobody, like, there were so many actual real German Nazis there that they, for the beginning, didn't really care for Fritz Kuhn. So he worked there as a chemist again in a small factory near Munich for about two years. And then, but then even the German authorities of the time um, not noticed him and um, considered trying him under the German denazification laws of the time uh, and imprisoned him in 1947. And I think he was even, like, that's also the iron irony of history. He was imprisoned in the Dachau camp, which then was, like, a, oh, wow. a camp where the Nazis were actually held, not their not their victims. And, um, but he, I think, I think he escaped even from there. Wow. He escaped even from there. And I think he wasn't even caught again. And, um, but I'm not, I'm not uh, too sure about the, the end of Kuhn's life. Um, he, uh, in... The 1950s, though, um, there were rumors that he um, had a, there was a suicide attempt. He also got a serious illness and uh, then died in the 1950s. Basically, a bitterly poor person. Oh, yeah, it's kind of a kind of a bitter end. But this guy, he was like a con man and a real Nazi. So. Yeah, yeah it is a bit of a bummer. He, he like supposedly he went to prison already. Like you're gonna try this guy. Shouldn't shouldn't be too sorry for him. Though. Yeah, I mean at the end of the day, like dude, dude was stealing from his own people. You yes, know? he did the worst crime possible. From his he Aryan was, brothers. From his Aryan brothers. So mm. good thing they punished him for it. Well, see, so you ever notice like forty three months in prison? Like just say years. 
you know like it's not it's like when they have a baby and then you have to keep saying like oh shit my baby's 40 <laughs> which months. month are you in 42 43 <laughs> yeah i mean like um i wanna i wanna rate uh, all of the three guys in in swastikas one to ten if that's possible yeah, yeah, yeah. in the end but like so keep in mind like this guy um when when we come when we talk about fascism in america like this guy although not being uh, an american He was probably the most, well, he was a knockoff, of course, so it wasn't very creative, but he was closest to what actual German fascism, well, they, here's aka the thing, like National at least, Socialism. Like, that guy, like, at least he got famous enough for me to see him on YouTube, you know? Exactly. He's, like, that's the thing. If, He's in the public eye. You didn't know his name, maybe, but you definitely saw those little videos that look like you're playing Wolfenstein or something like that. Definitely, yeah. definitely. And and if, if history would have taken another route... Um, His the 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 Nazi America run by Fritz Kuhn would probably yeah, look was, a lot like if like it was like man in a high castle. What's the, yeah high yeah. tower or whatever high castle yeah. high castle. So the he, if his bet like paid off, that would have been the sweetest deal ever. He'd be the he'd be the guy in charge of America basically, or maybe like number two or some shit. Yeah, like that, you know, yeah, yeah. Hitler would probably appoint his own guy. Probably he wouldn't want. Yeah, like, like he would still be be sour because of. Yeah, the, he'd the probably like, he'd be like he, he'd actually like Trotsky him out of all the pictures. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, God, would ice pick him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like the last guy, probably my favorite, because he kind of combines the two other guys. He's an he's a he's an American. He's born and raised American from a, con a town called Lynn in Massachusetts, and his name is. William Dudley Pelly. Dudley Pelly, dude. Probably of like English or Irish descent. Dude, double um, Irish, dude. That's 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 like ultra. The the racism levels are just off the charts there. He was born in 1890, again an 1890s child, and um, he he came from very simple uh, from a very simple background. Grew up in poverty, and and his his father was actually a Southern Methodist church minister. And later a small businessman, um, and Pelly was uh, self-educated. So he was really like not necessarily rags to riches, but rags to fame. You could say from of all of the three, um, he Pelly became a journalist. And this also like Pelly is like the guy who was like mostly aspiring to just be famous. I think like Kuhn was a con man. He was probably wanted to be rich and powerful. Mm -hmm. Pelly just wanted to be famous, I think. Yeah. Because he started a career as a journalist and um, was a, like, a, like a serious journalist. He worked for, for example, papers like the Chicago Tribune and on the side even was a novelist. He won the O. Henry Award, for example, and published in the 1920s a couple of, um, of novels that were... By the time he was kind of a renowned writer, I think. And what kind uh, of novels do you know? Uh, one one is called uh, "The Face in the Window," another one is called "The Continental Angle," and honestly, I have no idea what they're about. Erotica. The thing is, the thing is, though, they're novels. Uh, they're not like there's not a political. They're not political writings. They're like um, tell a story, and mm -hmm. people seem to like the stories. Um, he wasn't like William Faulkner or something. He wasn't like somebody who who won a Nobel Prize and is still known to this day despite all the Nazi shit that followed. But um, by the time, he was kind of known. And on, on the side, as he's American, he was also something of a crazy Christian. He um, he was also a Methodist, as his father was. And um, here here is an interesting uh, uh, anecdote about this guy. 
which uh, sets him apart from the others. Well, not so much maybe from 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 Lawrence Dennis because he also had an experience abroad, but uh, sets him apart from Kuhn, who definitely wasn't an intellectual ever. Um, he became a missionary and uh, joined the Red Cross in the ni- early 1920s, Siberia. Oh, wow. Where he helped the White Russian Army fight against the Bolsheviks. Nice one, bro. And... Um, Prob- another great, uh, great take. <laughs> another, <laughs> another, <laughs> another bad good, bad. Good, another great side to choose yeah. to fight on. And and guess what? Probably during this time, he came across the theory of the conspiracy of the world Jewish. Um, yeah, they were co- they, communists. They, they, they started disseminating it there. No? Exactly. Like he he allegedly also read like the, the they're a bit older, but like the protocols of the yeah, of, yeah. of the wise men of Zion, and yeah. he probably like the the white Russians were probably like, hey guy, read this shit. Like you you don't like Jews now, you'll hate them. You know, yeah, probably yeah. something like this. And so he immediately took up this idea and um, took it back home. But he wasn't immediately an outspoken. He wasn't a guy with a political aspiration. He wasn't a guy who. Who, who, who really wanted to fight the Jews on the political field here, so the communists, which yeah. is basically the same for him. Um, but when he w- came back home, he went to Hollywood and became a screenwriter. And um, as being, as being a, a, um, an experienced novelist already, he was also kind of successful as a screenwriter. He worked with people that I don't really know, but by the time were probably popular, like Lon Chaney. Mm. And... Um, yeah, wrote for, wrote uh, scripts for films like The Light and the Dark or The Shock, films I've never seen. But some back of, in some the day, of, all these movies had the names like the ri- the, cr- the River Crossing or whatever. So yeah, it was kind of bullshit. And also, they were also probably more like entertaining family entertainment rather than, um, rather than political uh, movies or something. Yeah. But then something happened that kind of reminded him of good old times in Siberia because he Start had some. With yeah, he, he had some. He had some personal problems with some Jewish producers in Hollywood. Yeah, and then um, yeah, basically he had a look in his like protocols of the of the wise men of Zion and was like, "Fuck, man, yeah, right. I actually knew all along," okay. and that's when his political aspirations um, started moving again or like beca- like picked up traction, and he then having like this fallout with uh, producers in Hollywood where that basically ended his career there as a screenwriter moved to a town called Asheville in North Carolina and uh, shout out to my friend uh, Andrew if he ever uh, listens to this episode because I think he's basically from this town or lives nearby or lived nearby that's that guy he's that guy's great grandson Andrew's Jewish so I don't think so well (laughs) anyways in Asheville North Carolina he began um, publishing magazines and essays uh, detailing his new religious system. It's called the Deliberation Doctrine, and it's like just a mixture of fascism, anti-Semitism, and Christian radicalism. And by that, he's probably the closest to the fascists that now live in the States and are still politically active. Now I understand what you're saying. He's your favorite. Yeah. He's the most influential, I guess, at the end I, of the I day. guess from all the, the three guys, he's probably the one who has the most influence up to he this day. He pieced it together. Because the, the, yeah, it can't work if you're like kind of wo- into, if you're like a fascist and then you're into voodoo magic or occult type of Alistair Crowley type of bullshit like if you want to like 
have some roots in America. You gotta make, you gotta Jesus it up a little bit. Exactly. It's like it's like uh, the saying goes. I forgot who it's who is it's attributed to, but it's there's no good source for it. But there's from basically also from this time, there's this uh, a quote with an unknown author basically. Um, if fascism comes to America, um, it's gonna um, it's gonna be wrapped in the Star Spangled Banner and and holds a cross in its hand or Humphrey something. Humphrey Bogart. No. Humphrey Bogart said that. Winston Churchill, whatever. But that's basically Pelly. He 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 got the hunch here um, that that's how you do it. If you wanna be a fascist in America, you gotta mix in some Christian shit. And that brings us to something I just wanna talk briefly about it, which is called British Israelism. British Israelism? British Israelism. It's from the 19th century, but that's where, like, Pelly got influenced a lot with, or from. It's um, the idea that actually white people are the real Jews in the sense of, like, the real chosen people and the so-called chosen people, the Jews, are actually just frauds, you know? I thought it's like an EDM British Israelism. I thought it's like an electro- electronic music or some shit like that. <laughs> Sounds like it could also be like a Britpop band from yeah. the 90s. <laughs> but no, British Israelism is actually, you know, like there's this like 12 or 13. Well, ah, they're one of the lost tribes, tribes of the Israelites. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, exactly. Yeah. And like they say, basically these guys say like they're not Nazis or necessarily anti-Semites, although they're kind of contesting with the no with but they're the actual, saying that real semites are not real semites exactly they're saying they like the, you know exactly like the, the 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 real the real so-called real semites are actually frauds and the but the real real semites are actually white people from the british isles and um, obviously americans can really easily attach to that because they mostly come from these isles and so did pelly and um adding to all of this weird confusion in 1928 so even before he was becoming an outspoken political activist, um, he uh, gained some notoriety in the American uh, public when he claimed he had... <laughs> I love this story. This is uh, like the craziest shit. He claimed he had an out-of-body experience. For a while I thought it was a near-death experience, but I, then I couldn't find like a traffic accident or something. It was just like an out-of-body experience, so he got like shit-faced and like, I don't know, hallucinated or something or ate some shrooms. Um, or just like stood up real quick or stood up real quick or I don't know just dreamt um, he had an out of body experience in which he traveled to other planes of existence devoid of corporeal souls and there he met Jesus and God I think both of them and Hitler wait for it <laughs> um, and they were telling him he was the chosen one to save America Wow. and uh, save America and save Christian America especially means like get rid of all the black people and the Jews and, you know, what, the commies. And I mean, if that really happened, like, I get it. Then. I mean, he, 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 I'm not sure if I didn't, can, couldn't, like, puzzle together if, like, he really believed that or he, if he just told that story. But he definitely wrote a an, an very um, influential article about it that's called Seven Minutes in Eternity. Look it up and it was published Americans in Americans love these types of books. Like whenever <laughs> someone has an out-of-body experience yeah. and then they write a book about how they went to heaven or whatever. It was published in the American Magazine in 1928. So guys, uh, look out for it in Do the internet. Like, I'm sure you can find it. When you have an out of, like when you have like a near-death experience, what, how, what kind of life like you've been living where you actually would would assume you'd go to heaven you know like everybody whoever writes these books they always go to heaven 
Yeah. Like it's never like what where they probably would go yeah. like, realistically. <laughs> I mean hell. Because even like <laughs> yeah, well, like I mean, if you are a Christian, you probably are going to hell. Because yeah. you're definitely not following the. Yeah. It's it's much easier to do the wrong than right. Yeah. Yeah. Like how did all these guys like end up going to heaven? That's what I never understood. So like the thing is when um so he he already had his like uh his mission here like God told him to save America hated the Jews um considered all all commies to be Jews or vice versa and um but that was still in like the late twenties very early thirties and then of course the Great Depression hit America um there was a big uh, turmoil the new deal like there was basically this was basically the first introduction of real socialist policies into american politics and um he hated this he had today he would be like a right right wing republican like so health insurance was socialism for him hence commie hence jewish hence devil mm-hmm. and um that was like really his like his political awakening when he um founded a mass movement and literally like later on he explained it like in his out-of-body experience kind of god and jesus already told him that he is the chosen one to become the american hitler because when the actual nazis took over in germany in 1933 under the impression of the great depression and the, how how uh, franklin roosevelt tried to to uh, counteract um which he hated he Definitely, so like, yeah, we, we gotta start a movement now. And then he founded something which was called the Silver Legion of America. Oh. It wasn't like the German-American Bund, and like he wasn't especially attached to German culture. He wanted to basically introduce Nazi politics, not so much German culture or whatever. That wasn't important in his in his view, and actually makes more sense this way. And so the Germans are not the chosen people. Exactly. They're not from the British Isles. Exactly. And so, yeah, but, like, he still got influenced a lot because Silver Legion of America already tells you they had uniforms. And you got to look up the pictures. They looked like Nazi Boy Scouts, basically. They they literally had these, like, Canadian mountain police hats, you know. These, Honestly, these... I kind of think Boy Scouts kind of look like Nazis. Though, well, or this way around, I don't yeah. know. And they had, like, silver shirts with a L, with a red scarlet letter L embroidered on it, which either stands for liberty, liberation, or legion, or or a Roman 50, whatever it is. Um, So nobody really knows. Um, Maybe not the best choice of of logo, like the original Nazis, again, probably had a better one. Um, It's also like L. (laughs) It's also (laughs) for loser. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. not the best choice. Um, If I'm ever a Nazi, I'm getting, like, my logo is a W, if I'm ever starting a party. What's, what will be your logo? W, dude. W. Going w, 100%. W. What yeah. does it stand for? Win, dude. Win. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Win, as the verb and the noun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And when Franklin Delano Roosevelt ran for his second presidency, this guy um, moved from Asheville, North Carolina, to Washington because Washington was the only state where... Um, there was basically no prerequisites to run as a candidate for presidency. He knew that, like, he wasn't very, like, the, his, his organization had a, a couple of hundred, maybe a couple of thousand um, uh, members, less than the German-American Bund of Kuhn, definitely. So he knew, like, his, his supportive base wasn't that strong. Um, but he still uh, ran, and um, he actually teamed up with a party called the Christian Party. <laughs> oh. The Christian Party... 
and he became the candidate of the Christian party because he didn't have a party. The Silver Legion was basically a fascist, Nazi, whatever, um, uh, recreational club. And um, some of his, his, uh, his, some of his policies or the ones he wanted to introduce was prohibit Jews from acquiring land in the States, segregation or even stauncher segregation. Of course, there was segregation in place already. And um, all of this... Uh, Make America Great Again, basically. Um, and he scored an astounding number of 1,598 votes. <laughs> so he was pretty much the last... Dude, not bad for a first run, you know? Not bad for a first run without any, any without a, a super pack or something you behind you. You know what? You, you s- try start a Nazi party and run for president. You know what? Everyone's like likes criticizing from the sidelines. You know, you get in there, you try running as a Nazi. Absolutely, like uh, <laughs> I, I agree. I, I agree. Like you, you gotta do better, of course. Um, and again, here I'm gonna start to repeat myself a bit. I guess um, he was unsuccessful with this whole uh, presidency thing with the presidential election. Roosevelt won, of course, by landslide. Yeah, I heard people really like that guy. And um, he he still had his policies, his his ideas, his ideology. But then again. Pearl Harbor happened. He was already on the on the on the blacklist of the FBI. Basically, mm. I don't know. I really got had should have looked it up. I think the FBI wasn't wasn't uh, in existence there. But like the predecessor, like the I mean, federal CIA, investigation, CIA definitely you know? didn't exist yet. Yes, yeah, I, I don't know. The 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 federal police at least like had him on his list. Basically, state troopers, got state him on troopers, his list. the marshals, <laughs> yeah. and um, when uh, nineteen in December nineteen forty one, uh, Pearl Harbor was attacked. And he was more or less uh, like uh, uh, immediately arrested and tried, and uh, this, he was forced to disband the Silver Legion, and again take off his shirt, and again take off his shirt, and without the shirt he was dragged um, to the, un- the the committee for un-American activities again. Um, the other guys. Unlike Lawrence, he wasn't successful in his defense. Um, he was sentenced to 15 years in prison for sedition, yeah. conspiracy. Um, that's, that's more than a couple of months. I mean, uh, I, I bet like you, he couldn't find any lawyers. Yeah, at, at this point, he was he was such a quirky, outspoken uh, fascist that like, yeah, probably his lawyers, like there were no lawyers that wanted to work for him. Yeah. So um, 50, he spent 15 years in prison. Then he was sentenced to it in 1942. Um, but as he was white, <laughs> after eight years, he was released in the year 1950. And yeah, ag- again, like uh, like uh, Lawrence Dennis, uh, he, his reputation was completely destroyed. Um, probably rightfully so. The thing is, like, just from the looks of... Th- like, I, I also... Saw, like, he, he, was a, he was a good speaker. He was an author, as I said. He was a screenwriter. I, you can also listen to some, like, parts of his novels, like, not necessarily Nazi-related, that he... He uh, reads online on YouTube. You can find it. Um, and there's some pictures of him. Like he, he definitely also was like a like a photo op guy. He, um, there's one picture. Like it's probably the one you will see first of him when you like uh, go to his Wikipedia article or something, um, where he like holds up a book and smiles into the camera with a kind of eerie smile, a bit of fiendish smile. Which reminds me of one of the most famous pictures of uh, Alistair Crowley, for example. And he has, like, with all this Christian stuff still, like, 
he has this, this spiritualist occultist like vapor around him you know he's he's one of these guys who wants to be a bit mysterious and say yeah but still a cult leader he is has, he has the most like cult leader yeah uh, uh like persona of all there's the definitely cult guys. leader energy going on there. i mean the whole uh, coming up with like out-of-body experiences talking to god and shit obviously definitely, definitely i mean i definitely agree with you like out of all of them, he even though he wasn't the most successful one of them, probably I, the least successful. Least successful one. I feel like he actually had probably the best potential for growth. You know, maybe like, maybe different like, era. Different was a bit time. late to the party, maybe or too early. You know, Not these early. days he probably like he'd probably <laughs> you would run for the, the Republican party. party. Like I mean, like really, like fucking. I'm actually surprised that we haven't heard that in a while. That like God told me to fucking get rid of the minorities or whatever. Like this shit. I'm per- now I'm making calls. I'm Ben. This election sounds gonna say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like maybe we just gotta wait a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think at the end, just a, you know what, too too uh, too forward thinking for his times. You know. Fun, funny, funny side note. Um, in 1936, there was even a clash with Kuhn's German American Bund and NYC, oh, where like shit. the Silver Legion and the German American Bund had like two rallies at the same time and then like started up punching in each other's Who face um i think it was uh, the german american bond because they just had the superiority of number yeah um and they're uh, better at planning and strategy save the germans after all yeah yeah um <laughs> which is like our our national stereotype that we like run for so long on which is absolutely false take a german train don't tell them dude <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, after he was released uh, of, uh, from prison in, in the 1950s, he also, reputation destroyed, that's where they all come together. And um, still, he was the on- last and only one that uh, got charged again, and probably also, I don't, I'm not sure if he ended up in jail, but he was, was tried and probably had to at least pay a big fine again for charges of security fraud. <laughs> so, he see, he's a kind of a, he's a notorious con man of all of them. Oh, he was dude, the most notorious I con man. I wish we got podcasts earlier. Like, I wish it was, like... Could invite him? No, I'm saying like we got podcasts like back, like they would have podcasts back in the day, like because like fresh out of prison, if podcasts were around. This guy, we'd like know about him to this day. He'd be, uh, he'd be popular, dude. Like a hundred percent, there'd be an audience to listen to him. Oh yeah, he we would maybe be the Joe Rogan of them the, these times. Yeah, dude. Like mm-hmm. we wouldn't have Joe Rogan. No. We'd just he'd be the guy. He yeah. would start the shit. The Pelly Show. Yeah, dude. So yeah, that brings me to the end, and uh, there's one last thing to do, if there's no further comments from you, which is obviously rating them. Let's the, rate them. I mean, like, the, the, the proper way to rate them would be 1 to 88 swastikas, but that's a bit like to 2 1 through 4 to 88 type that's of swastikas. That's a, that's those, a, are the only, those are the only grades yes, you can exactly. get. 1, 4, or 88. <laughs> <Yeah>. So like, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's rate them. Who gets 88 of the three? Who gets None the of full? Them. None of them. None of them. None None of them. I mean, just like, <laughs> prerequisite, they're Americans, like, it didn't wasn't a good wasn't a good time man like uh, if they were were trying to be nazis in america like at least in the 1910s they maybe would have gotten somewhere like maybe they could have figured close to the 88 like it couldn't have it could it could after the first world war like you're not gonna you're not gonna be getting into the 88s like it's all basically between one or four with these guys who is like slightly better than they're because they're all garbage they're all after all they all they're all not very good you know we had like europe had like so much better 
we had we had definitely the better we Nazis, better fascists, here, whatever you want like even like Russia, even Stalin was a better. Yeah, fascist. like mo- all these guys. Stalin was a way <laughs> Stalin like eighty eighty seven. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like, he's not close there. close to the you top. Know? Yeah, yeah. So it's basically one it's, or four, like one or four, one yeah. or four. Like, but like, for, uh, I would rate like um, what probably it's really hard actually probably. Kuhn only gets one because he was just like the least original, you know? He was basically not adding anything. He was yeah. just like copying the, the original Nazis. Kuhn, the only, like, the only uh, kind of. The only reason I would ever give him anything more than a one would be the relevance. Because Kuhn is out there on YouTube. Yeah. Like, he's still. He stayed yeah. that long on YouTube. It's funny. Like the the watching American flags next to the swastikas in Madison Square Garden forever, one of the best moments. <laughs> it's life I, achievement. When I saw that on YouTube, I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> this is one of the best moments of my life." It's crazy, and uh, like watching him, like just like the shit that used to. I mean, how much it's like like today not in the sense of whatever fascism rising but just like organizationally how there's yeah just a normal ass rally and then there's a bunch of like nerds in the crowd and then like some guy tries to rush the stage mm-hmm. you know this kind of feeling like oh back in the day it was like similar yeah you know like, so like entertainment value is also yeah like, yeah like mm-hmm. people were doing the same kind of fucking stupid ass shit street fights street fights yeah, yeah. like just just stupid like white trash kind of mm. behavior so for that i would maybe give them if we were capable of giving twos i'd give them a two okay but i think so half like, a four basically yeah i'd still i mean if we stick to one and fours he's closer to one than a four i'd, yeah. I'd put it this way and i mean like uh, lawrence dennis is like he gets a four an honorary four for being smart you know being smart and like fucking defending himself in, in front of the committee and getting away with all yeah, of it. Yeah, beating the charge. Dude. Beating the charge. Having an afro in the end. Yeah. But, um... Being a fascist while black, yeah. that's gotta be worth something. Yeah, yeah. That's gotta that's be worth more something. than a one, definitely. Yeah. In, when we, like, look closely at, like, the, the core values, if you want to call it that, of being a fascist, he's probably the one who's least of an actual yeah, fascist. Yeah, he, he maybe even shouldn't be on the chart. <laughs> yeah, he maybe shouldn't. Like, I'm doing him a little wrong here. I think yeah, he was yeah. just like, we, I'm, he's here for the diversity of this Yeah, <laughs> he's the, the affirmative action. Yeah, there. exactly. Yeah. So, like, this uh, ends us with Pelly. He's getting, like, in our special um, spectrum, he gets a definite four, I would he's say. He's a solid four. Four for craziness, four for cultiness, four for looks of it. Actually, after all, he's not, he was the least successful and he's also not that entertaining. But, like, just look at his picture and you want to give this man more than a one. Yeah, it's, it's, I would go, this is as good as it gets, being a fascist at that time in America. He, like, he reached a peak. Yeah, he's like, he's like the the closest to the core meaning of American fascism. And also, yeah, again, influential, because that's kind of the fucking shit these guys are doing today like you, Basically, you have yeah. to mix it with christian you can't be doing astrology <laughs> you know you can't be doing astrology in america and being a fascist they are trying it also right now i mean there's a bunch of like hippies kind of right wingers and shit like that who like uh take some kind of new steroids to live forever or whatever eat liver i heard eat liver <laughs> eat raw liver yeah and but this is not that's not like a mass movement hmm. uh it wouldn't be able to grow into a mass movement on like Christian nationalism, man, this was like, that's the only way to go. That's the way to go. And that's the guy long, long term. That's the only out of all of them who like made the right bet. 
that yeah. this shit will work out eventually. It's just, yeah, yeah like, too, was too just soon. there too soon, yeah. wrong time, wrong place, genau. wrong war. <laughs> oh, man, that's so crazy. I said genau. You said genau. I said genau three I times. I know. I, I saw it. <laughs> I heard you say it before, and I was like, man, this is sick. Like, embrace it. Genau is the perfect word in all of the languages. I know, yeah. I mean, this is like... like what, what do you want to say? D'accord or what? Like, no, I'm not going to start speaking Klingon over <laughs> here, dude. But, uh, yeah, it's just like... Yeah, watch out not that you start talking for Rangi. I, I <laughs> no, not on this. these guys wouldn't like it, dude. Not on this podcast, dude. But uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, these guys, the last guy, the Paddy Maddie, what's his name? Pally. Pally. Yeah. Uh, uh, William Dudley. Paddy. William Dudley. Paddy. Stupidest name of them. Yeah. Uh, this guy gets the highest. But it gets the highest reward. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. You would give him a full 88? No, 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 no. no I'm no. saying, like, on the possible 88. Oh, eight. None yeah. of them. Could yeah, get okay. 88. Yeah. 88 is out of it. So question. he gets an 8, maybe. No, dude, 4. That's four. I'm okay. sorry. I can't, we can't even go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, we can't, like. Like, check, this was like. Uh, gotta stick with the spectrum, yeah. This was like a little kindling. This wasn't. They didn't start the fire, as no. like Billy Joel would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that were other people. Like, they didn't. Orange tr- people. Yeah, they tried to, but it's too early. Yeah. But all in all, fucking cool guys, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Fun guys to talk about. Fun guys to talk about. I really enjoyed the episode, although we're only two here. And um, I hope out there, you people did too. Learned yeah. a bit and about completely useless historical knowledge about uh, absolute uh, frauds and uh, and failures. But the more you know, right? Um, yeah, dude. You gotta, you gotta, you know, know your enemy. Or if you're you know some other type of although although it doesn't seem always like this but that's actually one of the purposes of this podcast (laughs) uh yeah totally we're trying to be not fanboys we're educational here it's not like we're thinking about these guys all the time and fucking just every day of my life it's not like we have a shower curtain with william dudley pally on dude that was like a period in my life where like if i'd go on youtube or google like the first shit would pop up would be either about putin or hitler that's the only two guys i would ever google like i, I wanted to know every single thing about those guys like what they eat what kind of movies they watch everything i'm like fascinated with those dudes and you know uh, i uh, shouldn't be saying anymore i feel like you know i've said enough if you guys out there think i'm some kind of weirdo you know go to the police go to the cops <laughs> call the cops on me guess what it's cops are also Nazis, dude. <laughs> You're stuck. Especially in Germany. Yeah, dude. What do you think? Uh, what do you think they, all these guys go? <laughs> yeah. They didn't. They, they got to work somewhere. Too. You can Nuremberg trial <laughs> millions of people. <laughs> you know, there's not enough even that much space in Nuremberg. It's not that big of a city, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was us for this week. Yeah. Um, uh, please uh, stay safe and uh, you know vote for socialists out there. You know, watch out for the guys with uh, one colored shirts. Yeah, anytime any monochrome type of person, maybe, maybe be careful around those guys. You know. All right. Uh, bye guys. Love you. Bye. <laughs>